Um, welcome back, everyone. So uh, this is the last lecture, and uh, we're going to be talking about lease rates, fiat interest rates, and the competition between and GoFo, the uh, and the and the relationship between all of these two things. So. Um, Professor mentioned, and I didn't define it in my talk, but the basis is basically the difference between the futures price uh, and the spot price. Okay, and a future, we have to talk about the difference between the future, future and a forward. Now, apart from the obvious that they're two different words, but um, a futures contract is traded on a, a public exchange, and it's uh, for regular set monthly maturities. Standardized contracts. Standardized contracts of whatever it is. Um, and the key point to remember, though, is fixed maturity dates across the months. Now, forward, a forward market is, uh, is, a, is, a, is a private market, over-the-counter market, um, so it's not a public market. It's not standardized. And it's not standardized. There's no standardized dealing amount in, a forward, in the forward gold market. And um, the forward gold market, so beyond that, th those are the only differences between the two basically, the gold futures market and the gold forward market. Apart from regulation, you know, there's, there's no particular regulation in the gold forward market to the same degree as there is in the gold futures market. Um, essentially, they're the same thing, though, except with the gold forward market, you select the date of maturity yourself. So completely non-standardized contracts and completely bespoke settlement dates. Okay? Now, the gold forward market is estimated to be around 10 times bigger than the, uh, at least 10 times bigger than the, um, the gold futures market. So the majority of um, gold claims trading is done on a market which you can't um, actually see. And there's no, unless you're actually a gold or a gold dealer or someone who deals in gold for your own funds purposes or whatever. So the vast majority of gold obligations are traded in a market that you can't see and is very opaque, basically. Now, the measure that uh, the measure that's um, the same, or well not the same, the measure that corresponds in the forward market to the basis is called the uh, the gold offered forward rate. And that's essentially the, um, 
the rate for uh, borrowing dollars against giving gold as collateral. Okay, so Could you say that again? It's, it's, it's the rate for borrowing dollars giving gold as underlying collateral. So if the rate is positive, sorry, let's say if it's three, it basically means that if you have physical gold, you can lodge it with your bullion broker and you can get a loan at 3% as opposed to the market rate for an uncollateralized lo loan. A which, dollar loan. Just a straight dollar loan, which would be, let's say, 5%. Or you'd certainly expect it to be more. So that's GoFo. Okay, and the way that you get the... Uh, and the way that the, the futures or the forward price works is that the forward price is equal to the spot price times 1 plus the interest rate minus the lease rate. And essentially, that's your GOFO. So, sorry, it's up to here. So you've got GOFO is equal to the interest rate minus the uh, lease rate. And this is the fiat interest rate, obviously. And that's the gold. Okay, so the lease rate is what they now call the, um, the gold interest rate. Uh, which is the only proper interest rate, but the gold lease rate is, 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 is related to gold leases, and a gold lease is nothing like a gold bond. Why? Because gold doesn't circulate, so a gold lease is nothing like a gold bond, basically. If you expect gold to be returned to you after a lease, uh, well, it depends who you've lent it to, but it will be, you'll be wanting at some point in the future. Okay, so the way that you calculate um, lease rates is just by rearranging that equation there. So you get that lease rates are equal to interest rates minus GOFO, and you get the forward market approximation for the gold rate of interest through GOFO. Okay. So these two charts here show that, a long-term chart and a short-term chart. Here, we have it from 1990. You've got it in your, uh, in your printouts as well. We've got um, derived gold lease rates. So derived in the sense that I've just used this equation here, not taking account of bid and offer spreads, which you should but it's not really relevant in this discussion. 
but it is relevant in the discussion of some people who misunderstand gold backwardation from the Financial Times. Isabella Kaminska is an example. Um, it's not relevant to this conversation, though. Um, but here you can see three-month LIBOR has consistently been... So that three-month LIBOR is the three-month rate on dollars to anyone who's not in finance, OK? Um, so it's consistently been, since 1990, so for the past 23 years, it's been above the gold rate of interest. Now, you've had the odd spike here and there, and you had a huge spike here when the, uh, the end of the, uh, the Washington Agreement was announced. I can't remember what that spike was from. You had this spike during the great financial crisis, so the beginning of 2008. Now, this is a shorter-term <coughs> chart from 2011. So here you can see that up until here, lease rates were below dollar interest rates. But look at this deviation from the beginning of 2012. You can see quite clearly that, and this is just from the derived numbers that you can get on the LBMA website or your Bloomberg terminal if you're a trader. You know, it's all there you can see that the lease rate has been going in a completely different direction to the uh, LIBOR rate. And it's not like um, this is a new occurrence. It's been happening since the, uh, since the middle of 2012. And that's a proper divergence, a proper divergence. That means that GoFor goes negative. And so when the lease rate goes above the LIBOR rate, that's when GOFO becomes negative. But I'm calculating this from GOFO, so it assumes that already. Which is uh, analogous to negative basis. Yes. So negative, negative GOFO, it's actually analogous to positive co-basis. Oh, but... Yeah. Uh -huh. okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, Does that mean, are we to understand from that that the appetite to borrow gold is, is increasing mm. rapidly. Yes. Yeah. Now, um, and it was is increasing. So it was increasing and is increasing so rapidly that it exceeded um, dollar interest rates. Now, normally, dollar interest rates are, uh, stay well above gold interest, uh, gold lease rates. So, am I right in thinking on the left-hand chart that? We're not so interested in the spikes that it go, the gold lease rate goes mm. up, but more the trend. in relation to the LIBOR. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <coughs> okay, so you had the first crossing of uh, or GOFO going negative. Um, this was uh, in around summer this year, and it lasted for a good, good few uh, weeks four or five weeks, something like that. I can't remember how long exactly. But the funny thing is that the previous examples of when GOFO went negative, there was a, a, a very cogent excuse as to why it went negative. Oh, this was announced. Oh, they said they're only going to sell 500 tons a year, blah, blah, blah. There was no particular reason 
at all for this to start happening and for GoFo to have its longest negative streak ever. Um, so GoFo has had its longest negative streak ever with no cogent explanation. And whenever GoFo was negative before, it was for much shorter time periods with very cogent explanations. And everybody could understand them and it was all legitimate. Okay, so that's the trend that's been going on here. So what's your explanation? <laughs> well, my expert, I'll, I'll get to it, but my explanation is that um, you need to borrow gold. Why would one need to borrow gold? It's as if you have gold obligations that are, following, uh, that are falling due. But you haven't got the gold. But too. you haven't got the gold, you know. So it might be a case of, let's say I'm a futures underwriter, you know, and I said that, you know, I expect the majority of the people to roll their contracts. So I've lent my gold out for 15 years, for example. And the furthest contract that I've written is always six months away. Um, so in my book, as a market gold futures market maker, I would have, let's say, maybe 1% physical gold and 99% in, in a 15-year gold lease, you know. And if the rate at which that gold is being returned from that lease is not as quick as the rate at which people are not willing to roll forward their futures contract, i.e. they want to take delivery, um, then the problem will occur. And that's exactly what you're seeing here. Okay, they're, they're going out into the market to borrow gold to cover the 99% that they've lent out. So they might have a 15-year lease. The shortest amount of time that they can probably afford to borrow gold is maybe a year. So they are going to be having to borrow gold on a yearly basis for 15 years to roll off their uh, liability. Assuming that they can get the gold. This all assumes that, which is a very big assumption and we just gloss over it but that's the bit John would this be a reason why they hit it so hard behind yeah. and then later on because of what was happening there yeah yeah if you, if when they hit it yeah. when they hit it was roughly um, here okay you know and the way they hit it the the backwardation didn't disappear well it disappeared for one day sorry and then it came straight back up you know, and it's almost as if, you know, they, they did sell physical gold because physical gold is the only thing that would alleviate the, the situation of backwardation. But whatever they sold was insufficient, basically, to cover, cover the obligation. And the backwardation went up and is back, back there, basically. Would you not expect the price of, the price of physical gold to go up in this scenario? Um, I would. I would. A lot more. Potential carry trade. Well, no, because it's still in backwardation. No, but in that situation, uh, I, would, I would borrow dollars, buy yeah. physical gold, and lend it out. Yes, and so would I. But then I'd be worried that I might not get the gold back, though. Because, okay. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm... But gold did the opposite in that period, and it fell. It fell during this period, here. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's because the authorities were trying to do whatever they could 
to get the backwardation out of the market. I actually think what they did then was they sold a mixture of physical and futures. Futures to get the price Hopefully down. more futures than yeah. very little physical. Very little physical, but they needed to sell physical. And so that accomplished killing two birds with one stone. You got the co-basis negative backwardation out momentarily, and you bought the price down. But then if you're selling futures just like that, the backwardation will come straight back up again. And uh, exactly, exactly. So you look at the premiums that you're you're seeing in India and, and Vietnam for, for for spot gold, and it's unbelievable. It really is unbelievable. why is it that sometimes we can we, we can have backwardation in the futures market, but uh, with a positive growth? Yes, that's, that's, that's a good point. It's because they are two different sort of classes of market, basically. You know, the, the people in the forward market are, are less likely to want to take delivery of, of physical gold. Less likely than the futures. Less likely than the futures, which is even not very likely anyway, you know. So for it to happen in the forward market, you know, I, I have written, I have bought forward gold, I have bought forward gold before, you know, and I asked what percentage of the people actually want to take delivery of, of wholesale bars, and he goes, no one, you know, 99.5%, half a percent, if that, smaller than the amount of futures holders that take delivery, you know, 3% or whatever. So it says more in the gold forward market if if it's if the GoFo is negative than it does for the gold futures market basically. Yeah. Sandy, could the um, rising GoFo go rate be a function of the supply? Yeah, maybe the miners are reluctant to lease out. You mean rising lease rate? The GoFo rate is rising. So no, that's not the GoFo rate. That's the lease rate. Yeah. So the, but miners aren't being involved in any of this. I've checked with them. Not all of them, but most of them. Um, the reason why gold might be go the gold lease rate might be going up elsewise is if miners are borrowing gold to hedge their production because they're worried because they're worried that um, you know the gold price might fall further and if you've I, I've spoken to Heckler Agnico I've got Heckler in my office next Friday you know. I'm going to be speaking to them all at a conference coming up quite soon. They all said they're not hedging their gold. At, uh, they're not selling forward any production. You know, they don't need to. There's no need to. So whoever, whoever is bidding up the gold lease rate, it's not them, basically. Unless they're lying, you know. But I don't think they are. You don't think they lie? No, not as much as other people. Would it be fully price of gold? Do you think it would be an expectation that miners are going to be producing less gold and perhaps that is driving the lease rate higher? 
Less gold. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe. But it must be, you must remember that mining supply is a fraction of the gold that's sitting there. You know, so what the miners are doing in terms of supply to market is irrelevant, really. You know, it's such a small fraction. Such a small fraction. Um, I, I know we're sort of uh, passing this question sort of diverting the conversation, but it, maybe there's a very quick answer to it. So, um, if, uh, following on from the last question, if the price of gold had to fall to a level where miners aren't so interested to keep producing, mm. um, I don't understand how that may be possible considering not so long ago miners are still active when the price of gold is two, three hundred dollars or whatever. Mm. Um, it, is there something I'm missing in this? To, Think that surely the price of gold have to fall so far for it to be unprofitable. It would probably have to fall about 30% from here for, for the median miner to become unprofitable. You know, they're, they're, you know, they're not having inflation in their cost base at the moment, miners uh, aren't, and that's unusual. You know, throughout the past 10, 15 years, they've had huge inflation in their cost base. But now contracting equipment, supplies, chemicals, all of that, you're not seeing any inflation. You're seeing 10-15% drilling costs, you know, they're all falling, you know. So it would have to fall quite a bit for you to become marginal. I'm not talking about all miners, I'm talking about the good miners here, you know. And there are only a handful of good miners. Okay. Uh, Rudy? Well, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, but that's the whole point: is the competition will. Uh... <laughs> so basically, you have the competition here, okay? And the bribe is that lease rates must be sorry, fiat rates must be above lease rates. You know, because otherwise to the cogent individual, there's no reason to hold fiat over holding gold on lease. And to the even more cogents, there's no reason that they'd want to do that because they wouldn't get their gold back at some point. Okay? So, let's go back to and talk about the competition here. Okay, this is just a very quick graph to show that gold backwardation, sorry, the gold futures market only makes sense when you're looking at the first three contracts, basically, to measure your basis, or the most active contract. Total gold and silver open interest always lies within the first three contracts. Not total, but the vast, vast majority of it. And the proof is there. That blue line is the first three contracts open interest divided by total open interest. They have the liquidity. The distant futures are quite illiquid and no professional would trade them. They, the, the far dated futures are just dealer fudged quotes, basically. They wish they could deal at those prices. They wish they could sell gold that far out for that much of a premium to spot but they don't. People who are in gold futures and silver futures always stay close to spot. They don't move further out. Always has been the case, 
always will be the case. So anyone that tries to make an argument about gold not being in backwardation until all of the contracts have gone below zero doesn't really know what they're talking about. Well, he's one example. <laughs> uh, to me, it's just the active contract, because the active contract is, is always 70% plus of open interest. For example, in this moment, the December contract, the other doesn't matter. February is beginning to matter a lot, day by day, more day by day, yeah. So now I would take December and February. Okay. You watch the two, basically. And then it depends on what the market Well, then as we come closer to February, uh, December and February, then you look. You have to watch how the open interest is shifting from okay. going down in the near term and up in the, uh, the forward, uh, in the next one. You also have to examine how much of the people uh, are not rolling the forward contract, the future forward, basically. You might lose 10 here and only gain eight here, which means two in the pocket for cash gold, basically, which is as big a problem, you know, as just there being no gold price, effectively. So that's the proof there that, that it's only the near-term contracts that matter, okay? This before, we, <clears throat> before I expand about the competition, I want to talk about these, these measurements here. Now, this is something that I've invented called the, 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 the stress indicator. Okay, the COMEX, the COMEX gold and the COMEX silver stress indicator. Now, how, what do I define as stress? Well, stress to me is, 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 is on the basis of a decision, okay? And the decision is this. Basically, if, if gold, registered gold has decreased, okay, this means that it has been taken out of the system and given up against gold futures outstanding, okay? Which means pretty well that it disappeared. It disappears from the system. It disappears from the COMEX system. And there are so many barriers that they have for, for not wanting you to take gold out of the system, like it has to be reassayed and blah blah blah, etc., etc. And there are so many things there that just basically say don't take it out of the system. And yet people are doing it. So if gold is taken out of the system, when does that worry? Let's say 10,000 ounces of registered is taken away. When that occurs. When does that worry the underwriters of futures sufficiently that they bring in gold from outside the COMEX system? It's very hard, very hard to do. Well, no, you can do that by measuring the total change in, uh, in stock. Because oh. whatever comes, what, if that increases, then that has to have come from outside, outside. the COMEX system itself. Because COMEX, COMEX repositories exist next to the, if there are any repositories, for anything in the forward market as well. So you have COMEX here, and you can all see the COMEX inventory, but then that exists parallel to, or within, sort of the forward market inventory, you know, which you can't see, basically. 
So if 10,000 ounces of taken, if 10,000 ounces was taken from COMEX, so it's taken from COMEX, we need a third dimension. So imagine the third dimension is taken out of COMEX, okay? When is it, when does that worry the managers enough when it's taken out so that they bring something into COMEX? Because they know that they'll need to satisfy more obligations, basically. So this is a decision, okay? This is someone's decision to do this, as it were. Okay, so you look at the number of days that registered gold has, has fallen, and the number of days in which the total inventory, though, has risen. So registered gold has fallen. By the total inventory, you mean the registered but and the eligible gold? Huh? But yeah, total stock. Yeah, the total stock. Plus, plus registered, yeah. Okay. So if registered gold falls by 10,000 ounces, but total inventory, which is registered plus eligible, increases, okay, that's a day of stress. Because it's stressful enough for the managers of COMEX for them to bring in gold from outside the system. Okay, so I tally up the number of days over a working quarter where they're doing this. And you can see some quite interesting trends here. Um, this is the chart from 2002 for both of them. But you can see the gold, we're up there. We're at 14. And for silver, we're not as high as we were in 2008, when we were at uh, 48, 50 bucks or whatever it was back then. But we're on our way back up again. And when the measure gets to 63, <laughs> that's when gold, any gold that's, being, that's leaving COMEX from the registered pile is straight away being compensated for by gold arriving from outside of COMEX. And that would be pretty much close to default, in my view, because that can't be done indefinitely. COMEX would have to default at that point. It would have to default at that time. Which would be a terrific hmm. shock to the whole financial system, including this stock market, bond market, foreign exchange markets. Well, this is the thing, is that we're already at, let's say, 14 out of 63 on the way to default, which is a pretty high percentage, um, in my view, without any reason or any sort of market talk about it. Um, so this is again sort of a good data point that shows that there is something amiss in the gold futures market. Everything is not um, everything is not um, hunky dory. And they're still trying to keep the price down, mm. hence increasing demand. Yes, exactly, exactly. So it's sort of out of the frying pan into the fire, really. Uh, what is GoFo now? Positive or GoFo is positive now. And the backwardation is gone? Um, it's at about zero at the moment, the co-basis. It's come down from about um, 10 basis points, 15 basis points to zero right now. So what's but the this prediction? time last year, it was at minus half a percent, the co-basis. And the year before that, it was minus 0.55% this time in the year. So I think that coming into the end of the year, 
is going to come back up again because you've got the seasonal demand from Asia for physical gold. This year or early next year? No, at this time of year well, always. This time of the year only. Yeah, yeah. marriage season and... So and the, the December contract would show that. I expect it to start <coughs> moving back towards backwardation again already. Um, <coughs> so on the budget later that you used to, to estimate the base and co-bases, for example, the London PMP, the London AMP. We'll talk about that later. That's okay. quite in, involved, but it's not involved, but it's a bit technical. Um, so there you go. There, there, that, that's one bit of evidence that there's a problem. That's another bit of evidence that there's a problem. And now we're going to talk about the real big problem, which is the